Welcome to the What Won't She Say podcast. We're hosts Sonia Mastic and Julie Schultz. Our goal is to create a safe space to champion the unique experience that we share as women. And to provide an opportunity for us to connect with our true authentic selves. Welcome to another episode of What Won't She Say? We are going to tackle a few subject matters in this podcast today, but firstly, our new co-host, Julie Schultz, is going to ask you guys some questions about the season coming up. Sonia, it is so great to be here. I'm so excited. And first, I want to uh, thank you for having me as a host, co-host. What is uh, most surprising and exciting is I wasn't even expecting Sonia to ask me. And, in first, and actually, the very first thing I asked was, why are you asking me? <laughs> <laughs> um, but I'm so thankful to be here to, uh, to be a part of this opportunity. My favorite thing uh, that we talked about in the website uh, is uh, the mission of how we want this to be a safe space and collaborate and celebrate women's journey and take a deeper dive into issues that affect us all. And I think if I'm going to be a part of this podcast and, and make it meaningful for all of you listeners, um, the first thing I, I need to know is how can I help accomplish that, diving into issues that affect all of you? What is it about what I can bring to the table that can aid that journey? How can uh, we celebrate together women's journeys? Saying journey a couple of times there. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> Not a problem. But, but I think your overall thing is, is what do you want to hear this season? Mm-hmm. It's a very unique year with COVID. We are actually in a studio together. We are safely distanced and been masked when we're, when we're um, up walking around. And even that has been laborsome just setting up uh, everything and trying to be responsible wearing a mask and continually hand sanitizing is exhausting so it is a very different year for everybody which means we have very different stressors very different concerns so tell us in the comments below listen to this what you want to hear if you have any guests that you had in mind that you would like on the show send them our information and we'll send you know get us get us set up with them and we'll make sure to cover that and I think that's pretty much what you were, what we had in mind there, right? Yes, I would agree. I would All totally right. agree. So the next thing is we're going to tackle something sort of heavy. Um, disclaimer, if you don't want something heavy, I apologize. We'll, we'll keep it as light as possible. But um, during COVID, we are consuming a lot of media of all sorts, podcasts and social media and movies and television. And I know I've been binging the crap out of stuff. Everything from, I mean, I'm obsessed with um, that new Netflix series Away with Hilary Swank. Uh, have you watched, Have you seen that? I have not. I think I mentioned it to you twice. I have not. I have only gone down rabbit holes on Facebook, which I really need to get out of <laughs> because I never end up being happy at the mm-hmm. end. So, uh, yeah, I need to find just a series to latch on to because that is not working out for me. It isn't for anybody. It is very depressing. Well, Away is very life-affirming, especially for women. Um, Hilary Swank is the commander of a spaceship. The ship is going to Mars. And I'm not a usually like a space sci-fi person as far as the media that I consume. 
but it is written so incredibly well and the, the just the cinematography like just it's beautiful it's amazing and then they finally did something with Hillary she's the commander of the space shuttle that's going to Habitat Mars and um, they wrote her I hope everyone's sitting down for this as a real human being <laughs> so, is there a bathroom scene <laughs> right so my thing is human being mean she's not the sort of like stereotypes of women in, in media in movies so she's not like this stern ice cold bitch who she can only behave that way uh, to keep this facade so she can be you know strong and tough and or she's also not like this basket case who needs a, a spouse you know it needs a man or a woman in her life to, to really like help them get the things that they need she's just this like cool awesome autonomous train wreck she's a real person she's capable she's strong she's amazing she's a wreck she makes terrible decisions she makes great decisions and that was one thing that made the, the series so good other than the fact that the storyline is actually really really fascinating and they really marry the idea of the drama of five human beings leaving their family to go for years to Mars with the actual intelligence of the science of it. And a lot of it was based on past missions and, and their studies with NASA. So I, I love that they did a lot of their homework as well. So it's very fascinating way of doing it. But it brought out the idea to me. I was, because my husband asked me, like, why? He loved it too, but he's like, why do you love it so much? And I said, every woman that's portrayed as a hero in the story is always like Wonder Woman. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Amazing cinematography, amazing work, amazing CGI. It was incredible, the storyline. But again, she was otherworldly. Mm-hmm. So my thoughts sort of go down that. I mean, what do you think about all this media, that, we're, especially women media that we're consuming and the idea that it is really, really rare that there's a female lead that's written as this like, well-rounded, normal human being? I think um, the more women that are behind the scenes in power, the more you will see women portrayed realistically. And uh, it's a process because women for so long were not allowed to be directors. In fact, in fact, the first female director in the around 1918s, ironically, over 100 years ago, last pandemic, made her own movies but was not allowed to have a, have the title as hers, the director, oh, yeah. um, and needed a uh, needed a guy, her husband, to um, have um, to be titled as the director. So she's officially never gotten, and I don't remember her name right now, but there was a super cool book that I read about it. I'll have to bring it back later. Yeah, we'll, we'll link it below in the comments. Okay, very cool. So because women were not allowed to be in the power positions, only one perspective has been shown and 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 one perspective has been told. And, and maybe many men don't even realize that their perspective, especially before these conversations happened, uh, don't even realize that it is a tunnel vision perspective of how women should be portrayed and things like that. I mean, it wasn't really too long ago that women were only June Cleaver housewives mm-hmm. on TV, right? Mm-hmm. So that wasn't, that wasn't lifetimes ago. I remember watching, you know, Leave it to Beaver myself. Uh, a few weeks ago, I just watched it recently. <laughs> it's probably really horrifying. It actually it wasn't wasn't because the thing of uh, yeah, that, that's another rabbit hole we'll go down. But <laughs> but I mean, it, it's fair to point out, like in the nineteen seventies, as it was the seventies or late as the seventies, women couldn't get a credit card without their husband. Like you know, that's not this isn't a new phenomenon of women not having any autonomy from men. 
You know, what's interesting, though, is I think women today uh, don't necessarily remember that. I mean, my husband and I watched Mad Men, and there's a scene where she's getting an abortion or thinking about getting an abortion, um, uh, the the wife of the main character, whose name I forgot. (laughs) Anyways, um, and we were both appalled and surprised that the uh, OBGYN was talking to her like a child mm-hmm. and making decisions for her, you know. So uh, the the show did a great job of, you know, recreating the 60s really how they were. Uh, but it is nothing, It is. it never really dawned on me that things were that bad. Um, and, and the details, the specifics of what women couldn't do not so long ago. This is the hallmark phrase of every misogynist and racist. You know, I wish things were like the 60s when it was a simpler time. Yeah, when you had all the power and no one had any decisions about anything. Just the white guy was the only one who had anything. You know, Yeah, I bet that was a simpler time for you. I had somebody tell me once that uh, they um, felt that people were falling apart. And uh, this leads to a completely way different topic. Uh, we were talking about uh, Black Lives Matter and, uh, and their take on it. And they said, you know, uh, and and this is a very typical trope that some people believe that if you try, you'll be fine and you'll get it. And if you don't try and their take was, well, in the 70s, people stopped trying. I mean, they got divorces. (laughs) And, And my answer was, well, everybody got divorces because before that women couldn't live. Um, if they got a divorce because they couldn't get the credit card, they couldn't get the Mm. job and they couldn't get, you know, so yeah, they got divorces because now they could actually live all by themselves. Uh, So I don't think that actually had anything to do with the color of your skin. Uh, It had more to do with the ability to, you know, take control of your own life. It's fascinating to me, the just the perspective that's so one-sided, the idea. I was talking to a friend of mine who's older, and she's like, she was talking about being in the 70s and how she couldn't get birth control unless she had permission from her husband or her dad. And I'm thinking, so... This, this, I, I could go on a tangent about this. This makes me really <laughs> angry. So the idea is, is that you use the ideology that... Or the actual facts, I should say, that um, a man can get a woman pregnant every single time he has sex. A woman can get pregnant once every nine months. And so you're regulating the woman's body. The one who can't... Okay. like it's And then you don't allow them to get birth control unless they have permission. Like, how do you not see the greater thing that's going on here of just absolute control and the idea of, like, placing the... It's, 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 it's so gaslighting and victim-blaming of just, like, you're not going to have any control of your body. But, you know, you have no say. We're going to have every bit of say of it, and you're going to be shamed for no matter what direction you go in. That's so fascinatingly, like, you know, if you decide to use birth control, then you're a whore. If you decide to not, and then there's no place of for that on the man, meaning like in the 70s, and I mean, mm-hmm. even now, frankly, but especially talking about then, it's like, and then if you go out and get pregnant and have sex, you're a whore. And then if you, you're like, what? Like, but there's not, nothing, you know, the man's a stud and, and then he can walk away from it. There's no responsibility. Like, what in the actual crap? You know, my, uh, my daughter, um, uh, she's uh, not quite 10. And um, uh, I let her listen to Hamilton, the musical. 
And of course, the first line is, you know, talking about a bastard and son of a whore. Mm-hmm. And so uh, uh, while she can't say the words at that moment, it's like, well, you should kind of know what they are. Right. Uh, and so my explanation to her, um, since it's before sex ed, was it's uh, a whore is someone who has a lot of boyfriends. And she's like, oh, like Ginny Weasley. From Harry Potter. I'm like, no, because what's not cool is it's actually also not a nice word, um, but there's no word for that for boys. So boys could date a lot of girls, and there's no not nice word like that. And she's like, oh, why is that? Yeah. <laughs> you know, I'm like, I don't know. <laughs> I, I, lo- I love the idea of like, how about we just not judge anybody that has a lot of partners and mind your own damn business. And if everybody's happy and consenting, I don't really give a crap. And let's not put a label on it. I don't know. Crazy. I don't know. That's, that's, that's actually really forward thinking. <laughs> yeah. So, so if we come full circle though around and, and we talk about, you and I were talking earlier a little bit about misogyny in film. And, and I was having this conversation with my husband and he asked me, why do women not like horror movies? Mm-hmm. And um, I had to think about that. I, I, I just knew that they made me feel icky. They gave me this like weird like feeling in the pit of my stomach. I just, it just, I don't mind the gore. Like that mm-hmm. doesn't bother me because it's not real. And I mean, I, I feel, I find it sometimes um, gratuitously unnecessary, frankly. And it's just not a genre for me that I really cling to. But we started going in circles about it because he really loves it. And um, I started realizing that the absolute setup of most horror movies back in the day until recent times is that it was always at the expense of women. Mm-hmm. It was murdering women, raping women, you know, hurting women. And of course men ended up being killed and murdered too, but it was this sort of like praying, um, super creepy, weird. Like, so I told my husband, I'm like, why would any woman want to watch that? Like, this is our real <laughs> lives. I mean, this is, this is our real lives. Of, um, we are recording this at the She Hive. And we're in a big warehouse building and um, it's all these um, suites and there's a long hallway. And I remember coming here um, because my office is also in here for my business rise above the den. And um, I was grabbing something and he said, I love this hallway at night. It's so creepy and spooky. And I said, that's fascinating that you live such a different life than I do. And he's like, what do you mean? And I said, because all I look at this is for ways for somebody to hurt me. Mm-hmm. I could get, I could get grabbed, murdered, hurt. You know, I'm, I'm like, it freaks me out to know I'm coming here at night, which is why I would have him come with me. And that was so eye-opening to him. And that's what led to the conversation about, you know, horror movies and stuff. And, and he's trying to unlearn and learn and understand my perspective because, mm-hmm. again, men have never had to do that. The perspective is always the one side. So My husband um, uh, had an eye-opening moment. Uh, we, were, we were at some divey bar. And uh, there's this uh, much older, roady woman um, mercilessly hitting on him <laughs> while I was sitting right there. Oh, yeah. <laughs> he's a super polite guy. And, and, and he, he works out, so he's a bigger guy. And, and he, he tried the best with body language to show he's not interested. You know, his shoulders were crunched and his hands and his legs and slightly moving off to the side. And uh-huh. And she wasn't taking any of these hints. And, and finally she left and he goes, boy... Now I know what it's like for a girl. But I said, wait, no, you don't. I go, at any moment, did you fear for your safety? Mm. Or was it like a lion and a cub playing with the lion where finally, if you really got pissed off, you could stand up and just go, stop. Yeah. (laughs) And he's like, oh, that's like, yeah, yeah. So it's hard to see a perspective that's not yours. 
Mm-hmm. Um, and, and that could bring us back full circle about horror movies in particular. And again, once, um, once more women start making horror movies, you will find them more authentic uh, female characters. Uh, another story. Uh, I should just have my husband here because they're all... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, but uh, my husband's a filmmaker, Douglas Schultz. Uh, he also runs a film school. And in his film school, he teaches directing. And he teaches directing to adults. Um, who have their own ideas of what they like to make movies for. And so treading that has been interesting for him. And he shared one story with me where uh, two filmmakers uh, did films, uh, shorts that uh, filmmaker students had to do with being raped and this, that, and the other. And one of them was a female who was purging her own personal experiences. And one was a guy who just thought it was an interesting subject. And, uh, and he had to, even though the films look similar, he had to say, you can't make movies, you can't be the director and creator of a movie that is not from your own perspective. Yeah. And having to tell that to the male filmmaking student saying, we can't show this because honestly it ends up looking like uh, you're just uh, kind of making fun of the whole situation or mm-hmm. not taking seriously, um, where the other person is exactly what it, film is meant to be, which is a, a, a way to communicate visually how you're feeling. Um, and that's why this woman has the right to make this kind of movie, but you don't. It's not authentic to your experience. I think once again, more female directors, producers financers, the more authentic we'll see female roles become. That's an interesting perspective for the fact that <laughs> it reminded me of this meme that I saw, which was, um, it was seemed like it was like a couple watching a movie and, and the man says, it was a female lead, the man said, you know, I can't, um, I can't watch this. I, I can't even relate to the lead character. And she's like, you know what? I've had to relate to a character that wasn't my, my gender for the last 400 years. Ben, you can stick it out for two and a half hours. <laughs> <laughs> I love like how fragile he was, you know, and then she just calls him on it, you know, Ben. (laughs) Well, and that's another, um, that's another thing that I think is fascinating by all of the conversations that are happening now is the very first in general for, for men, or even if we're talking about racial injustices, the very first knee jerk reaction is people saying, I shouldn't be ashamed of being a white dude. And it's like, no, we're not asking you to be ashamed. We're asking you to go, oh, I recognize that this is a thing. Mm-hmm. And that's really it. And and then when you put it in that perspective, you learn very quickly who are the people who are interested in listening and who are the people interested in they just don't want change. Because, mm-hmm. uh, you know, some people will say, okay, um, why do you think that? And others will just continue to argue. I can see it. I can see the idea of everything's working out for you. <laughs> you know, like, why would you want change? You know, like, it's working great. I don't know what the problem is. You know, meanwhile, you know, billionaires aren't paying taxes and people are starving. The billionaires are like, I don't see a problem. Everything's good on my boat. I crap on a gold toilet. I don't see what your problem is. It must be you. Yeah. <laughs> that is the problem. It is the thing. And, and we discussed it in a podcast um, with Jen Kinney, you and I, about just the idea of now that we're stuck sort of in home we're not we don't have all these beautiful distractions of like going out for lovely food and you have all this new stimulus and you run into people and you can go to things like 
I think a lot of people are starting to really bump up against things that make them uncomfortable and they're growing. So I'm not, I swear I'm not like a silver lining person for the sake of being silver lining, but I am the thing, person that I think that there's, there's a chance to learn through everything. And I think that that's a good thing that's coming out of it is that we're not escaping from these uncomfortable things and we're starting to look at things from other people's perspective. And that is a good thing about social media is it does, and the internet is that it, it connects us to the rest of the world to good and bad things, good injustices, meaning like bad things, and, and you can't ignore them forever. Mm-hmm. Well, and, that was the start of the whole uh, massive movement is nobody could ignore the video they saw mm-hmm. um, of George um, uh, Floyd. Yeah. Floyd, yeah. thank you. And, and you couldn't you couldn't give any other possible excuse other than this exact thing that they've been saying has happened. You know, there were quotes and memes saying, you know, this was just really the first one that was recorded well, uh, but lots have been happening. But you just couldn't n- not see uh, the injustice that was happening. And so I think that's why that was one of the sparks that, that started the movement in such a massive wave. Uh, and I think I'm, I'm a very hopeful person, too, because these conversations exist in the first place is, is very hopeful to me because uh, that's the beginning and things don't change quickly. Nothing does. But um, the fact that people are talking about it, even begrudgingly, and they're aware that other people think these things uh, is a start. And you brought up something a minute ago uh, saying shame. And that is the one thing I so I, I plead with everyone listening: do not get hung up on shame when you're going through a corrective experience in your life. When you're realizing that you owe, that you've ignored, you've overlooked, you you things that you should have, you feel like you should have noticed. Because I hate the word should, mm-hmm. and uh, it's very shame based. And the thing is, is that you're you're aware now don't don't get caught in the mud that is shame that's going to distract you from going forward and making change that you need in whatever belief system that you're trying to correct and i can't i can't say that enough in everything it's shame is useless it's you know i want you to have like humility and i want you to understand like you know to feel remorse if you do something wrong but shame is just it's just gross it's 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 you know so Please do not get ashamed. Go forward. Ask the questions. Get in communities you need for whatever it is that you feel like you're facing through. You know, again, the thing that we're saying that you're fa- people are really facing things through um, COVID and through all this isolation that are kind of things that they want to change about themselves. So, you know. I think the other thing that uh, to, to add to that, I completely agree. Uh, um, shame and guilt are things that stop us from growing and moving forward and actually make things worse in our lives. Uh, And sometimes it's a difference between uh, your mindset, a growth mindset or a static mindset tells you, uh, for example, you either are smart or you are not smart. Um, as opposed to a growth mindset that says smart is your brain is a muscle and you exercise it like you do with, like you do in a sport and you can become smart. And so sometimes when uh, something, uh, we get faced with something that surprises us of how things are, uh, all of a sudden, we're go- if we have a static mindset, we might think, oh, this doesn't fit in my, in, in, in my, in my little box of, of what is. There must be something wrong with me. But with a growth mindset, you could go, oh, okay, 
this is this is new information and now I'm going to move forward uh, accepting new information. Uh, I'm sure a lot of our listeners are familiar with Glennon Doyle. You and I have talked about her a little bit, but and there is the thing that she talks about in there and I've worked really hard <laughs> over the last six months to sort of implement it. It, it springboards off of that, of not being afraid of feelings mm-hmm. and not feelings being the end all thing. So it's just to, to actually, instead of being fearful of feelings, to be curious about them and explore them. Mm-hmm. And so I love what you just said, because the thing is like, it doesn't fit in this box. So it doesn't mean you're, it, it doesn't, it doesn't mean the information you got was right. It's just like, be curious about that information instead of being um, knee jerk and shamed and going, nope, I reject it because it doesn't fit in this box to say, Maybe it shouldn't. I don't know. Let's be curious about it. Let's not be. Let's not be offended. Let's not be personal. Take it personally, but really look at it for what it is and hold it up and take a look at it and say, "Hmm, where does this fit in my life? Does it? Is it right?" Because sometimes we get information as truth that are just is not our truth and it doesn't fit for us. So, mm-hmm. um, but the curiosity is my favorite part of it, and to not be fear based, not to be afraid of that, but just to lean into the feelings, knowing that they'll pass. They're not forever. And, you know what's uh, ironic is I've um, I'll, I'll troll some sites that I I don't necessarily agree with, and sometimes I found in those sites that they equate kindness, empathy, and um, uh, learning as weaknesses. Absolutely, yep. snowflakes. Yes, mm-hmm. where actually you have to be stronger, uh, you have to be braver to to be able to say, oh. I could learn something. I could step out of my comfort zone. Uh, it's the same thing with masks. Uh, I reject the idea that I am afraid and that's why I wear a mask. I feel that as we all probably do, masks suck. Nobody wants to wear them. They're awful. But I choose to do something that is hard, that is not easy uh, for the benefit of my community. And that takes more work, more skill, more um, fierceness than uh, the easier path of saying, oh, I don't need a mask. Uh, And that way I am absolved of any responsibility, uh, which to me seems the fearful, easy way out. There's a, um, I can't remember, I'll have to try to come up with it, but we were watching this this interview about this man who was um, a white supremacist. He's now left the, <clears throat> the the community that he was in, and he was talking about that very behavior, and he said that um, it, it was used for control, that if you um, teach people that there's only like one alpha, mm. there's only one alpha way to doing things, you put them off their, their center of knowing of their own knowing of their own learning and so you say you know like no you don't learn things and, and you keep you keep moving forward like everything's just like guns and trucks and like it was this really basic <laughs> things but they said that they said it was a really like a thing of like it keeps you angry it keeps you into this like very narrow-minded you know thing where you don't grow you don't learn more and then you actually start to regress and you just th- that way they can brainwash and they can teach you this way and it keeps you off your center of actually going forward and knowing and that's how the movement works and they, i'm sure they prey on people who feel like they don't belong mm-hmm, and lonely and don't have a really great home base and village of their own to to help process these new people coming and say hey join our group and i think that's how any movement works whether it's extreme right or left mm-hmm. I, i'm not i'm not picking on one or the other I think it takes like vulnerable 
people that are looking to belong somewhere. And because again, you look at both sides of just craziness that are really extreme and there are just, there's no, there's no center of, of rational thinking. Like mm-hmm. I can't, I, I don't understand how people can believe the things that they believe. But again, I'm not saying that these people are idiots, but it is a fascinating phenomenon that people can just be taught to believe anything, you know, told anything. So, um, but we could, we could go on this forever and ever, <laughs> but, uh, I think we'll leave it at there. Um, again, as we said in the beginning, let us know what you want to hear, uh, no matter what it is, lighter subjects, heavier subjects, any people that you think would be great guests, put them in touch with us and we will happily call them and bring them on the show. It has been a great experience. Uh, I do feel that we, um, are just like getting together with great friends um missing the wine because you don't want to hear me sipping wine on a microphone oh, what we do <laughs> <laughs> well then i'm looking forward to that <laughs> podcast <laughs> thank you for listening to the what won't she say podcast we are now ruthless so act accordingly ladies